when I was a freshman at Evangel University, I was looking at my required courses for the coming years and trying to consider what classes I needed to take. I came across that I would need two semesters of homiletics. And homiletics is the study of preaching. I was nervous about taking these classes because, frankly, at the time, I liked the way I preached. I felt good about it. It was my comfort zone, how I was preaching. I felt like God was able to speak through me in those ways that I was doing it. I was comfortable and I was happy with the feeling of it. And so during my time at Evangel, I went out of my way and can even consider changing my major to avoid having to change my preaching style, to avoid having to change what I was doing. And kind of ironically, if you fast forward to today, I study books on how to speak better. I read and consider how I'm speaking and how I can make that even better for people to grasp the ideas that I'm putting out. I've spent many hours walking through the different ways I present ideas because I want to be better. I want to be better at whatever I do. But whenever I was in college, I thought I was good enough, and I, re I refused to grow in my speaking. And it's just kind of ironic because as you learn and grow in life, you find out that there's always room for growth. There's always room to be better. And throughout my life, that's one of the things that I've found out is that the best thing that I can do for me, my family, and every person that I come in contact with is to be a learner and be a person that is trying to grow and trying to improve themselves. Maybe you found yourself in a similar place in life. You feel really confident about something you're doing. Maybe you play an instrument, you write. Maybe it's something a little bit more behind the scenes. Maybe you create content. You're a graphic designer. You do these different things that are behind the scenes, but you really feel good at what you're doing. And so sometimes you close yourself off to outside opinion. And I understand totally where you're coming from. And so I just want to consider today. What does it mean to be a lifelong learner? Is it worth it? If I feel really good about what I'm doing, should I keep growing in it? Should I keep trying to learn from other people? Or should I decide I'm good enough at this, so I'm going to stick with what I'm doing? It's obviously working. And being a lifelong learner can be difficult. But I just wonder if it can be valuable in our lives. Because some of the most famous thinkers of all time, they were lifelong learners. Albert Einstein said, once you stop learning, you start dying. On a similar note, Henry Ford said, anyone who stops learning is old, whether at 20 or 80. Anyone who keeps learning stays young. It seems like learning and being a lifelong learner is important, but why does it matter? I'm Josh Cave, and I've asked these exact same questions. In fact, I've spent my entire life asking questions, and those have led me to a lot of study and even earning a bachelor's degree in Bible and theology. Today, I'm going to be talking about how do we know if being a lifelong learner is valuable? What can we learn from some other people who have done this? But before we get to that, let's cue the music. Welcome to the After Youth Podcast, where we answer the most challenging questions asked by every Christian young adult. Let's dive in. 
you know, this topic is a little bit different than some of the things that we've talked about before. A lot of times we stick with a lot of theological ideas, questions about church and the Bible, and I love those. So this one's a little bit different, but really this concept is important to me. And so I hope that you guys will strap into this and just uh, come along for the ride with me. Because I think developing the mindset of being a lifelong learner, it can change your life. It can change how you view the world around you. And I believe that it can increase your potential for who you can be and what God can use you for. I want to share a quick story from my own life. I want to illustrate how I've tried to learn in my life, how I've tried to use events and different things to help me grow as a person. I've talked about the work that I do now is mechanic work. When I started, I literally knew nothing about it. I started working around motorcycle shops at 15 years old, and they had me you know, sweeping floors in the warehouse, and I wasn't able to do much more. Whenever I started, I didn't even know how to crank and drive a four-wheeler, and which is crazy to imagine now. But Whenever I was 15, I swept the floors, and I tried to do a good job with it the best you can with sweeping floors, but I ended up moving into assembly, and I started putting together four-wheelers and side-by-sides that came in on the crates, and I enjoyed that a lot, and I worked at that for about a year, and I, and I tried to improve. I tried to get better at what I was doing, you know, figure out ways that I could be a little bit faster, be a little more precise in what I was doing. And I tried to learn from other people. Some people were really good at it. Some people were not so good, but everybody could teach me something. So I, I did assembly for about a year, and then I ended up moving and going into parts. And I worked in parts for a long time. That's really where I began trying to learn as much as I could. I wanted to be the best parts person I could be. I wanted to be the best person that they had in the building doing it. So I memorized part numbers. I studied how to find parts. I developed systems to make myself more efficient. I spent a lot of time doing small things, trying to grow and trying to be better. And I believe that helped me a lot. I wasn't perfect. I'm not saying that. There were times where I was not efficient. There were times that I didn't focus like I should have. But I tried to be the best that I could, and I ended up learning a lot through that, and I knew a lot about it. And so whenever an opportunity came up to become a technician, to move from parts to being a mechanic, I jumped at it because it was another opportunity to learn. You know, we all know people that have great mechanical ability. like They can pick up a wrench and they can look at anything and fix it. And I wasn't one of those people whenever I started. I was really bad at it. It took a long time, a lot of study, a lot of patience from other people for me to grow into being a decent mechanic and I had to ask a lot of questions and to break down my pride and ask questions I looked in service manuals I took online tests anything I could do to help my growth it still took years before I was proficient enough to make some money at it. Even now, I'm doing the same type of work and I try to keep learning using the same methods. If somebody is better at something than I am, then I'll go and ask them questions about it. If there's service manuals for what I'm doing, I try to jump on that. I try to keep learning, keep growing. I still do online tests whenever they come up. All of that is so that I can be the best mechanic that I can be. I want to be the very best at my job that I can be. And this has turned me into 
really being in a constant state of learning, of being open to other perspectives, other ideas, knowing that I don't have it all figured out. There's always ways to be better. There's always ways to improve. And as you can see from the story of my career, that there's being a constant mode of learning, a constant mode of improvement, trying to make systems, trying to be the best I could be. It's taken me from somebody that sweeps the warehouse to somebody that works on the machines. It's brought me promotions and even I believe a certain level of success in my field because I've been willing to learn and grow and do anything asked of me. I would say though that the most important things I've learned in being a mechanic and doing all of this is not from what I've seen in service manuals. It's been internal. And so I want to break this down, this idea down a little bit further into how we can apply these things in our lives, how how we can take this concept of being a lifelong learner and really apply it. And I want to give you some other examples of people that are not me, because there are some people that have applied these kind of ideas and have really done things to change the world. So I want to look at that just a little bit more. I believe the first question we can answer here that's really the foundation of all of this is what does it mean to truly be a lifelong learner and does it help you? Because I can talk all day long until I'm blue in the face about learning, being a lifelong learner, but if it doesn't truly help you, then it's worthless. I believe in the value of education. Obviously, I've gone to college and finished it and I think that's important. I think studying from professionals is incredibly important. But being a lifelong learner has nothing to do with degrees or education necessarily. It has everything to do with posture and passion. And an article by Taylor Roman Cohen, they said being a lifelong learner means you have a growth mindset and an innate curiosity about the world. I think this is a really powerful def definition. It's all about putting yourself in the mindset that you can grow and continue becoming a better version of yourself. And so many people believe one of two things about themselves. And I want you to really consider yourself and see if you fit into one of these. So one is people believe because they have certain tendencies or ways about them that they can't or should not change. Like you've talked to somebody and you can see they've got like a flaw or something that they could improve on. And they say, well, that's just the way I am. You just have to deal with it. You know, uh, people, you know, have a really aggressive personality and they're all over you. And you're like, man, like that might really help you if you tone that down a little bit. And they're like, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. You and everybody else are just going to have to deal with it. So that's one of the mindsets is that you have a tendency that you can't or feel like you shouldn't change. The other option is to take a passive mindset. And this way you're kind of hands off. It's not that you can't or shouldn't change it. You just don't really have the motivation to. And this way you just allow life to happen. And you may or may not learn from past mistakes. And people like this, they usually don't have just a ton of ambition. So maybe you fit into one of those two things and you have one of these mindsets. And either way, that's okay. That's a starting point. Let's consider that 
And let's truly believe because I believe being a lifelong learner, it releases those mindsets and it takes you into a place where you believe you can grow. And I talk about all this and it really means something to me because I believe that God has an incredible version of you that you can develop to. And part of that is going to be him. He's going to have to grow you. He's going to have to make you into the person that he's called you to be. We're just the clay. But there's another part of this where we have to open ourselves up and we have to position ourselves where we're willing to grow and willing to be better versions of ourselves. And so this lifelong learner attitude, it embraces the idea that we all have room for improvement. And we want to earn that improvement. One of the things that's been interesting in my marriage so far is the difference that Molly and I have when we walk in a room. But we have rooms in our house that I would likely never put decorations in. If it was up to me, it'd be like that stereotypical picture of like a guy's apartment and there's a couch and a TV and nothing else. Or even, I mean, not even a couch, it'd be like a lawn chair and a TV or something. And that's just, that's my guy's perspective. I'm not real big into decorations. I don't really worry about it. If it was up to me, rooms would be 90% bare with just a little bit of very practical furniture. And I would totally be content with that. She walks in a room and she sees something different. She sees potential. She sees what we could paint the walls, how we could do something different with the floors, what we could put on the walls, what kind of furniture we could put in there. The whole deal, she sees a complete image and her view is for the room to reach its fullest potential. For me, that room would never reach its potential. It would never look the best. You really wouldn't want to bring people over and see it. It would be just very minimal. But Molly sees a room with the fullest potential in mind. And we have to work toward her vision. It takes time. It takes energy. We have to go through and step by step. We remove the old ugly floors. We fill holes in the walls. We paint over it. And piece by piece, we fix old problems and add new decorations. And all that time, we're working toward a goal. And that goal is to make the room the best, the prettiest it could be. When you're a lifelong learner, you see glimpses of the future that God has for you. The vision that he has for you as a person. The person he's called you to be. And step by step, you, you work on areas of your life that need improving. Maybe you have a bad day and you get frustrated and you're like, I don't really want to get frustrated like that. So you start working on your attitude. Maybe you have a very negative mindset and you're like, that's not what God's called me to do. And so you try to enhance your mindset. Maybe you have some bad habits and just step by step, you're fixing some of those things. You're changing your attitude, changing your mindset. You're cleaning up bad habits with God's help. You're cleaning up the floors. You're cleaning up the walls. You start adding furniture. You start reading books, adding new skills to your life. And all of this is in the pursuit of fulfilling your potential and being the very best that you can be. And so that's what all of this is about. This whole conversation about being a lifelong learner is about understanding that you have incredible potential for God to use you for incredible things. I believe that. And so we take that idea that you have potential and how do we continue to grow, continue to be better, continue to allow God to change things in our lives so that we can serve him 
in the best way we can. One thing I've found in my life is that I can get easily caught up in the past and looking back, good or bad, I've achieved different things on some levels. And there are some things that I'm proud of, as we should all have things we're proud of in our past. But there's also things that I'm not as proud of. I'm disappointed in things that I regret, th- mistakes that I made. And it's easy on either side to really get caught up in that, or we get stuck in the past. We get stuck in our mistakes, or we get stuck in our success. We all know people that have like, peaked in high school, and maybe they achieved a lot of things in high school, but the, those didn't really translate into adult life. And so they're kind of stuck in the past, you know, reliving those different things. But we can't live like that. To to have this lifelong learner's mindset, we have to stop looking back and keep growing. I've been going through a book by Josh Waitskin. And to give you a little bit of background about his life, he's an incredible chess player. Between the third and ninth grades, he led his school to seven national team championships and eight personal titles. He did incredible things as a chess prodigy, had books and movies about his life, but it wasn't all roses in his life. One of the challenging aspects of chess is that you can spend three to four hours in front of a chessboard in a mind game with somebody else. It challenges you to focus on your mind intensely for long periods of time. And in the heat of the moment, one mistake can either break you or you can refocus yourself. Josh states in his book, One idea I taught was importance of regaining presence and clarity of mind after making a serious error. The first mistake rarely proves disastrous, but the downward spiral of the second, third, and fourth error creates a devastating chain reaction. Now he's talking about here in chess is that you make the wrong move and then a lot of people freak out and they're trying to make up for that mistake and so they make another mistake and another mistake and they lose the game because of one mistake that really wasn't that big a deal. But he goes from there and he tells a powerful story to a group of students he was teaching. In this story, he was standing in the middle of Manhattan, heading to a school, and on his way, he noticed a woman that was just a few feet in front of him. She was wearing a gray skirt, a black sweater, and some white sneakers. The street they were both trying to cross was a one-way. He had been there many times. But this woman was listening to music, and she got caught looking the wrong direction. So she's looking one way. And it's the wrong way down this one-way street. So she takes a step forward, and she almost got nailed by a bicyclist. The man on the bike looked as if he was holding his breath and just barely got around her and bumped her just a little bit. The woman turned and faced the cyclist as he was riding away, and she began screaming at him. She's so frustrated, and Josh describes it this way. He says, I can see her now standing with her back to the traffic on 33rd and Broadway, screaming at the now-distant biker who had just performed a miracle to avoid smashing into her. A taxi cab was the next to speed around the corner. The woman was struck from behind and sent reeling 10 feet into the air. 
She smashed into a lamppost and was knocked out bleeding badly. This woman ended up going to the hospital by ambulance, and we don't know for sure if she survived. But what's incredible about this story is the woman could have learned her lesson. She could have got bumped by the cyclist, and she could have backed up right after that, regrouped. And said, okay, let me check the road one more time before I keep going. Instead, she did what so many of us do. She got mad, flustered, and ended up in way worse shape because of that. She ended up going to the hospital in a totally avoidable situation. And Josh compares this to chess and that whenever one thing goes wrong and you make a mistake, usually it isn't that one mistake that makes you lose. It's letting that mistake control your life and continuing to make mistakes because you're flustered. In my life, I've made more mistakes than I can count. There, there are job situations I messed up, friendships I've lost, respect people have lost for me, mistake after mistake. What I've found in my own life is if you're not careful, you can let those past mistakes hold you back rather than being the lesson they should be. When I left the first church I youth pastored at, I was having a pretty hard time. We've talked about this multiple times. I was working another job at the time. And in that same week that I left the church, something came up at my job. Something happened, and I heard about it. It was kind of about me, and I felt wrong, to be honest with you. I felt like some people that were higher up were really giving benefits to other people that they weren't giving to me. And I truly felt like they were taking advantage of me based on some things that were said and done. And when I found out about all this, I couldn't deal with it. I got frustrated, I got mad, and I kind of spiraled. You know, keep in mind, at the same time, I had just left this church I was youth pastoring at, and I was dealing with a lot in my mind, and then all this happened. I ended up going to my boss and telling him I was really upset about all this. I felt like there was some stuff that wasn't done right, I wasn't happy about it, ended up leaving where I was working to work at our sister store. At the time, I felt like it was justice. I felt like if they would have treated me better, they could have kept me around. It's their fault. They made a mistake. They messed it up. I'll be honest, though, as I look back, and as I've looked back many times, it ended up being more of a punishment for me than it was for them. When I look back on my life, it's one of my biggest regrets because I made a rash decision when I was already emotionally devastated, I was already in a bad place emotionally, and then it just got worse progressively. Just like that woman in the story that Josh Waitzkin told, I got bumped by a bicycle and ended up being hit by a car. I had that church situation happen, and then I turned around and made it worse. I made my life harder. And as I've looked back on it many times... I get upset with myself, I get frustrated that I would make a decision like that. But there, there's something I've learned from all of this. I made a mistake, how do I grow from it? And I learned in that time to never make a decision in the moment. Molly, anybody that's has been around me very often could tell you, I, I don't make decisions quickly. I take my time, I stop. I take a breather. And sometimes it may be a week or two before I really make a decision. I'm, I try to be very patient with it. And I'm not always, but I try to be. Because my emotions got in the way that day at my old job, 
I never make quick decisions on big things. I take a day or two. I ask friends and family that I trust. I try to go to people and say, is this just me? Am I overreacting? Am I making a bad decision by going this certain direction? That's what I want you to take away from this section. It's not what I learned in that story. Hopefully you can glean a little bit from that and hopefully not make some of the same mistakes I did. But I hope more importantly that you take away that being a lifelong learner is about letting go of your past. That story, does it come up every now and then in my mind? Sure. But the biggest thing that I can do from that story, from that mistake, is to learn from it and move on. If I let it control my life, then I'll never make decisions again. I'll never do the things that I need to do in my life. And I can't do that. The best thing I can do with a mistake is to learn from them and move on and be better tomorrow. Everything can be learned from. The greatest wins are great, but we learn the most in the losses. So you might be asking, all of that's great. How do I do that? How do I become a lifelong learner? And so I want to give you three habits on how to become and continue to be a lifelong learner. The first one is consider yourself. The first way that we become a lifelong learner, and the most important, I believe, is looking in the mirror. What are you good at? What do you like doing? What are your strengths, your weaknesses? One of the most important questions to me is what do you want to be good at? And maybe you've never asked yourself that question because there are things I'm naturally good at. There are things that I like doing. But there are some things that I want to be good at. I want to be better. I want that to be a strength of mine. And so I lean into it. I try to be better. Even as I do this podcast now, I look for ways that I can improve. There are ways that I can learn to speak better, share better stories, research more, more efficiently. And so I love speaking. But to be great at it, I have to grow. I have to be better. But to be great at it, I read books, I study, I try to improve my ability to do it. And if you're working, maybe just in a retail job, maybe it's not the career that you're hoping for, consider what you enjoy about it. Do you like talking to customers, organizing people, organizing everything else? If you like talking and selling to customers, you start finding resources to learn how to do it better. Read books on salesmanship how to be better at what you're doing or talk to somebody that does it better than you do. If there's somebody in the store that maybe sells a product better than you do, talk to them about it, watch how they do it. Try to see what they do and glean some ideas from it. But whatever you like, dislike, or want to be, consider it and then grow and learn about yourself. Take that look in the mirror. So how can I improve? The second habit is to take advantage of your time. Henry Ford said, it's been my observation that most successful people get ahead during the time other people waste. In one of his books, John Maxwell shares this quote from Henry Ford. When he's talking about being a continual learner, John Maxwell flies all over the world and speaks to thousands and thousands of people. In the midst of all that, he writes books, he leads a company. And he does just incredible things, but he talks about in the midst of his crazy life, 
speaking, writing books, and mentoring, he forces himself to continually learn and grow. He makes time for it. When most people recline and they don't do anything, he's in the middle of reading. This time in his life is on planes and at the airport. A lot of people, maybe it'd be like me sitting in the airport, put some earbuds in, listen to music or watch a movie. That's what a lot of people do. John Maxwell says he doesn't do that. Most people hate the waiting and they hate the time between connecting flights and all those things. But Maxwell uses it to read. During that time, he makes notes and he plans for his next book. In the in-between time that people hate and they just waste it, they waste it by listening to music and watching movies. He's writing his next book. He's preparing for the next great thing he's going to do. And we need to do the same kinds of things. Maybe you're not flying all over the world, but maybe you have some time that you're by yourself and you usually waste it. When I'm at work turning wrenches, when other people are usually listening to music, 90% of the time I'm listening to audiobooks and podcasts. That's not really to brag on myself. It's just, it's what I've found. That's my airport. And so I take that time and I learn and I grow and I try to be better through these different things. Consider in your own life, maybe you have a long drive to work. Maybe you, you put, on a, put on an audiobook or you listen to a podcast or you have a long break at work. You pull out a book. Maybe it's really slow at your job during a certain part of the day. You'll bring a book with you, do some research. If you have the option to learn, do it. Take that opportunity. You have to find your airport, whatever that is. Whatever that time is between connecting flights, no matter when that time is, try to use it to your advantage and try to learn a new skill. Read a book, listen to a podcast, do something in that free time to help your growth, to help you continue to be better. And the final habit here is ask questions. Curiosity can be one of the greatest learning tools. There was a skill I was trying to learn a few weeks ago, looking at storytelling and how to be better at that. A few weeks ago, I was in there thinking about it. I was like, how can I be better at this? And I remembered I have a friend that actually does storytelling professionally. And so I reached out to him to ask him some questions about it. He gave me some incredible advice and told me some stories told me how he uses some of these different aspects of storytelling to to help get his point across. And so that's just an example, but it can be really valuable to ask people that you know how to grow. At work, I do a similar thing. Like I mentioned earlier, there are people that are better at some things than I am. They've been doing tech work longer than I have. And so if I get stuck in something and I can't figure it out, I'll go and ask them. And it's not just so that I can get done with it faster. I want to be better. I want to understand what they understand. And so whatever you do, whether it's work, school, a hobby, be willing to ask questions and learn from those people around you. And that way it keeps you humble because none of us are the best at anything. There are always people that are better than you at some things. And that's just part of life. And so it keeps us humble, but it also keeps us in that attitude of, I can learn from anybody. 
Mark Batterson has a rule that he lives by when he meets anybody. He says, everyone I meet is my superior in some way. By setting his mind like that, he believes that he can learn from anybody. He sets himself up to be a lifelong learner. Whenever we consider ourselves, we take advantage of our time and we ask questions. I believe that whenever we do these things, we can change our lives. We can be better versions of ourselves. We can keep growing and keep moving ourselves toward the person that God has called us to be. And so I really challenge you this week, really think about what you want to be good at, how you can improve. Find time, find your airport, and then ask questions. Ask questions to people that are better at something than you are. Learn where you can. And just to recap real quick, today we talked about being a lifelong learner. Being a lifelong learner starts with the definition. It means you have a growth mindset and an innate curiosity about the world. It's all about moving forward and developing yourself into the person God has called you to be. You have to allow yourself to move past the failures and the successes of the past. Learn from them, let go, and keep moving. Finally, some habits that you can add to your life to work on this are consider yourself, take advantage of your time, and ask questions. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. To keep up with everything we have going on and get updates, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, The After Youth Podcast, or on Instagram and Twitter, at After Youth Pod. If you enjoy the content we put out, consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This helps us reach more people with what we're trying to do, and we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening every week, and we will see you again next Friday. Thank you.